Hello, everyone, and welcome to NEPA Sports Stories. My name is Matt Buffano, and I'm the host of this podcast. This is episode 19, and my guest today is Steve Lloyd, a sports reporter and photographer and occasional anchor for WNEP-TV. Steve recently celebrated 30 years working at WNEP, where he's had the opportunity to cover thousands of sporting events and standout athletes from the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Pioneers to Bobby Sura. And Bobby Sura, by the way, he's kind of like the bucket list guest on this podcast. So if you're out there listening and have a, a source or a way to get in touch with Bobby Sura, let me know. But back to Steve, he is one of these people, you know, I work in the local sports media. I could tell you that this field in Northeast Pennsylvania is filled with good people like Steve, people who are interested and and feel passionately about documenting the events and the athletes who continue to enrich sports in this region. During this interview, Steve reflected on breaking into this industry and how much it's changed. We also talked about some of the favorite things that he's covered, how he covers the story, and there's one big assignment that he hasn't covered, but he hopes to. Maybe one day. So with no further ado, let's get into it. Here is my interview with Steve Lloyd. All right, Steve. Well, first off, again, thank you for joining me here on NEPA Sports Stories. Oh, glad to be here, Matt. All right. So when we were talking the other day, you mentioned that you've been at WNEP for 30 years and that's a long time to be at one place. And, you know, congratulations on a great run there. When you think back to what got you on the track to being a sports reporter, a sports photographer, the many hats that you wear at WNEP, you know, what was it that put you on that path? Well, I think I have to go back to my days of uh, high school, uh, Loyal Sock Township High School, which is a adjacent to Mentorsville out in the Williamsport area. Uh, there, there was no internet at the time when I graduated high school, which was uh, 1986. So probably around 1985, I'm in the library and, and just looking up some sports stuff and a few schools kind of popped up. I think it was like Syracuse, Miami of Florida. Um, Kutztown had a uh, broadcasting communications program. So back in the day, Monday Night Football and Howard Cosell, you know, kind of piqued my interest. I, I was more involved in, in kind of the stats in high school and, and how kind of that worked out. And then at the games, you would see some of the radio guys, um, not necessarily TV guys, but uh, some of the guys were doing the games on the radio. So that kind of piqued my interest. So looking in the library, ended up kind of falling in love with Kutztown, which was between Allentown and Reading. And as a kid growing up, I, I had never been to Allentown or Reading. So kind of getting out of the, the Williamsport area and going down there and, and starting my uh, telecommunications degree, which uh, was a bachelor in science. That's That's really where kind of it all started with the program there. And my freshman year was just general studies. I actually couldn't get into the telecommunications department, which was uh, a pretty expansive program with, uh, you know, thousands of kids there. So once I got my feet wet and I was able to get in there and, and start some of the um, journalism stuff and some of the libel law classes, and then there was uh, some business law classes. And then, the, and then the, the communication side, working with the cameras, eventually came where we were able to do some of the college basketball games, um, Chris Town obviously being in the PSAC and and, and football and stuff like that. And then just basically free reign. I mean, they, they gave us a camera and, and we were able to go do, you know, news stories or feature stories or, or really whatever was going on in the community, which kind of set my base for then doing an internship at Channel 16. And could you illustrate how different 
working, doing your job today is versus when you got into the business back in, I guess, 1990? Yeah, November of 1990, um, I got a call from then news director Nancy Cope to come back to the station after my internship ended. I went, I went back home and I was working with my father for, for a while that we'd started the five o'clock news. So they needed somebody to edit the, the newscast. So that's kind of how I got back in the door. But between back starting in 1990 and, and going through the nineties and into the two thousands compared to now, there's so much more social media. Now that the technical side of it has, has really changed other than the camera, but you know, dealing with the computer and, and the way we edit and the way we, we get the video in and then obviously uh, typing up the scripts for, for all the closed captioning stuff and the commands that, that they use in the control room to eventually put the product on the air. That's constantly changing. Um, and just the format and, and the equipment and stuff that we use, um, that there's always an evolving uh, door there for, for using all that equipment. And who came first at WNEP, yourself or Jim Coles? Because you've both been there quite a while. Yeah, well, I started in the, in the news department. Like I said, uh, I, was, I edited the five o'clock show. So I, other than editing, I was out covering news. and I, I was in news for eight years. So Jimmy... Um, he's been in the sports department the entire time. His background is is, uh, is radio, local radio. So the would have been the summer of 97, then sports photographer Dave Bertram, who lived up in Susquehanna County, his wife worked for IBM in New York State. They were relocating her down to Raleigh-Durham, North Carolina. And this is an interesting story. So Dave ended up leaving um, and they had a, a few children. And he went down there to a NBC station in Raleigh-Durham, a startup station. And he did news for a while there. And I, I believe Dave is still there. And eight years or so into him doing news, there was a Duke basketball game. So their sports photographers would always go cover North Carolina or Duke or NC State. Well, they asked Dave to sit on the floor and, and cover one of the Duke games. <laughs> Not knowing that Dave had, uh, had ex- expansive uh, sports photography at Channel 16 for you know, over 25, 30 years. And one of the best in the country. That, that's where I, I learned from you know, Jimmy and Timmy Carlson and Tom Tidy and Joe Zone and, and Dave. and I mean, the, the list goes on and on and on. But Dave shot that game that night and came back. And the way it works down there, he doesn't edit. So he handed it over to the editor. And as they were going through the video, which was still tape to tape, a, a crowd gathered near the edit booth. And they were amazed at, at the video that David shot. And he was a real quiet guy, real humble guy. He didn't really say anything. And they're all looking at him like, Dave, like, what's going on here? And he said, well, I, I was a sports photographer at Channel 16 for a long, long time. So, you know, he got a chance to cover Coach K. And I don't know what year it was. I, I'd, I'd probably have to ask him uh, who was on the team, but I'm, I'm sure it was one of the teams that, you know, went to the Final Four and won a national championship and stuff like that. So, so everyone sees the finished product of what you put on the news. But just could you take us inside how you go from, you know, maybe finding a story through shooting it editing it, you know, to finally getting it on the air? Matt, it's probably, it's probably the same way you do. You're on, you're on the phone in the morning with, with the athletic directors or some of the coaches. You kind of have a general idea of what you want to do. Um, that's really kind of where it starts. Then you start doing some research. Um, athletic directors are key. Time and place, uh, what's going on. Then you have to get access to the kids. So kind of from there, I'll have my day planned out. And then if there's any file video I need to get, we can get into uh, our video system and I'll download video. So I kind of have that. And then it's just a fact of, of loading the car up and driving there, uh, shooting the story. And then once you're done, if there's anything else that needs to be shot or covered that day and, and then coming back and, and then kind of going through your sound. And when I'm shooting myself, I kind of already know 
the interviews and, and what a coach or a few of the players have said. So I kind of have a general idea of, of where the story is going to go. And, and I think going back to my news background, you never really want to bury the lead. So you kind of get that right off the front. You also have, a, have to have an anchor intro when they're thrown to the story, which can kind of be the same thing that you're kind of saying in, in the story. But you want to kind of get right off the top what's the most important part of the story. And then from there, basically everyone else just kind of tells the story. Um, so it's always good to have good people to interview, you know, smart kids and, and coaches that want to want to talk in, in front of the camera. So w- once the story's edited, then it's sent in. I have to get JPEGs for the web. Um, we usually have to cut a sports bump, which runs. Um, that's the break. So they'll do the sports bump. They'll tease the story. They'll go to the break and they'll come back. And, and then usually the, the story will run on, on the 6 o'clock or 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock news weekday or weekend or whatever. Um, and then once that's done, um, that story I have to then copy and paste the script that I type up, which was, is for the closed caption and for the um, director of the news that day. And then that stuff gets processed onto, you know, what you and I do with the social media side of it and, and putting stuff out, whether it's for the, for the newspaper or, or the content for, uh, for our webpage. Um, and then from there, people just kind of share it on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or whatever, whatever social media stuff they use. So it's, it's, and then the story is there. It's not like years ago it would run and uh, unless people had a, a VCR um, and people today still have a DVD players that they can kind of record it. Up. There is some life to the story. It's, it, it gets stockpiled and put on a shelf and people can go back and, and access it, um, you know, weeks later or months later. Or whatever. Absolutely. And so there's a record of everything that you've done probably, you know, since yeah. the sometime in the two thousands, but you know, when you think back to some of your favorite stories that may have just, maybe you have them on a VHS tape at the house, but they haven't <laughs> yeah, been a, seen by anyone in decades. I, I got a few, a few things on, on some DVD stuff, but the, the format on the stuff changes uh, constantly. Even, even our video system at, at work um, periodically um, changes. So it's, it's tough to uh, stay on top to where you have it and you can have, have access to actually, you know, looking at it. That um, That's a whole other job in itself is to uh you know keep all the the archive stuff up and and fresh and and able to access are there any uh stories from that time period not before the internet but before the internet was as widely used as it is today that you're really proud of that you wish more people could see today um well i I think starting in my news career first and foremost i was able to to cover the um, democratic national convention in new york city in, in 92 that was pretty special um, our chief photographer, Paul Cabasa, who lives in Avoca. When I first came, I lived in Exeter, and then I moved to Avoca. The, the first World Trade Center explosion, the, the, the car bomb, we got called in to uh, cover that from, from ABC News. They wanted to use our uh, satellite truck. So uh, Paul and I went in there, and, and we were outside uh, the towers for a day, day and a half. And then we uh, drove down to one police plaza. And in New York City, they don't have news cars. They all come in taxi cabs. So one by one, the crews were all coming there for the, for the press conference. And uh, we were outside as uh, um, a camera shot for the, uh, for the satellite, for the news. So um, got a chance to do that. Uh, I was at Woodstock and, and Saugerties for the uh, reunion and then uh, came home after being there for a, a week to uh, Aerosmith up in uh, Montage Mountain. And I believe there was, uh, there was over 20,000 people up there. I, I got stuck on the interstate for eight hours, right by channel 16. 
<laughs> no, I, I don't believe there were any state police. I'm not sure if the, even the, the music police were, were working for that event. And cars were just parked on the highway, and I didn't know what was going on because I had been at uh, Woodstock all week long in the mud up there for that and um, got home for, for the 81, uh, I call it the 81 pileup uh, when Aerosmith was uh, up on Montage Mountain. So from, from my news days um, and then on to sports, just getting to travel and, and going to some of the Penn State Bowl games has been a thrill. I think one specific story, which, which goes back to prior of, of the days of the NBA starting up, and the original Harlem Globetrotters. Uh, Jumpin' Johnny Wilson was an original Globetrotter. He was at uh, Anderson College, and he was uh, Mr. Indiana Basketball. So his father – no, I'm sorry, his son coached at Lock Haven. So John Wilson's father then, which would have been the original Globetrotter, he was, he was helping out his son. And no one on campus um, knew that he was uh, an original Globetrotter. So uh, through, through a couple tips and a phone calls, I got to go out and uh, meet him. And uh, he had just published a book. And uh, God rest his soul, he, he passed away a few years ago. But, you know, you look, you look at the, the legends of Mr. Indiana, Mr. Indiana basketball, you know, Larry Bird and Isaiah Thomas. And I, I believe he averaged in college, it was somewhere in the high 30s points per game. So then he got picked up and, and traveled around the world with the original Globetrotters. And then kind of once the NBA started, um, those players – uh, went to the ABA and NBA, and then the Globetrotters kind of became what they are today, more, more theatrical, um, still high skill level, but they weren't playing competitive uh, basketball. So getting a chance to meet him, and, and I think Jimmy Coles and I years ago, we did a story on the Pottsville Maroons, you know, winning that, uh, that NFL championship back in, in 1925. And then, um, you know, the owners uh, today are the, are the Cardinals still, still with that trophy. So, you know, going back to the, to the history of, of where they played, it's on. I think it's on Route 209 between Minersville and, and Pottsville is is where the stadium used to sit. It, it's a parking lot now where there's uh, grocery stores and stuff like that. But uh, you know, getting a chance to do historical stories like that, where where they played the, the Four Horsemen of, of Notre Dame, and but they played outside their boundary, so the title got got stripped from them. I I mean, I could go on and on, Matt. I mean, there's yeah. there's so many different people and stories that I've covered over the years. Not so much your favorite interview, because sometimes these most favorite interviews could come from out of nowhere. I mean, you know, yeah. the best stories are not necessarily the most read or the most watched, but uh, they could be the most compelling. When you think of maybe most famous people that you've interviewed, who comes to mind? Wow. Um, well, we got a chance to cover Jerry McNamara up at Syracuse when they won the national title, when um, Carmelo was there, Coach Bayheim. Uh, that was that was pretty thrilling to uh, to be able to go up there. Um, we didn't get to go to the championship game, but uh, we were able to follow them through the um, the run to the championship. So you know, just being around Jerry and and Coach Bucci over the years, um, obviously great coach there and and one of the best. Jimmy Coles, <laughs> the magic of editing uh, <laughs> after technical difficulty here after. No uh, Jerry McNamara and Carmelo Anthony started to say something about Jim Coles. Oh, um, Jimmy Coles and I, we, we got a chance to travel out to Cleveland to um, get former Wilkes-Barre GAR star Bobby Sura right after he signed his, I think it was his six-year, $36 million contract with the Cavs. So we were able to go to uh, Autobahn Middle School, and he was there with Sean Kemp. And um, 
think he was there with Dave Bing, who played at Notre Dame. I'm, I'm trying to remember. He, he was running the press conference. But they were there for the kids, and we got to travel around Cleveland with him for a little bit. And then, uh, and then we got to see him play uh, against the Nets in New Jersey, I think, a little while after that. Kerry Kittles was, uh, was guarding Bobby. So it was, it was kind of interesting to be able to go to uh, one of the Cavs' practices and be in the city with Bobby. And at, at the, you know, one of the – he's had a great career, and obviously he gets the NBA, you know, being one – a great player at Florida State and, and one of the best to, to play in the Miami Valley Conference is, uh, you know, pretty cool to get a chance to meet Bobby. And he was great with his time and, you know, wish him the best. And now you wear a, a number of different hats, I think, for WNEP between reporter, photographer, uh, occasionally even step in an anchor. Just what is your favorite part of those different responsibilities. What, what is your favorite responsibilities of those? Well, I, I my background, sh- uh, shooting the photography. I mean, so I still, I still enjoy that. Um, but then the writing side of it too, gives me, gives me a big thrill, but, uh, you know, to be able to get a chance to, you know, report and, and anchor all these years. I mean, there's so many, so many people to thank over the years. Um, obviously it starts with, you know, Timmy Carlson. He was the sports director when I started in, in the department and Tom Tidy was there. And then, Drew Mitchell and Brian Sinkoff, uh, Sharla Ping. I have to thank Jimmy Coles. Jimmy's kind of been my right-hand man, learning a lot from, from Jimmy traveling around with him. I'm sure I'm missing a lot of names here, but uh, there's been a lot of great people that have come through the department. Joe Zone was there uh, when I started, so Joe kind of showed me the tricks of the trade. But obviously, shooting with the camera, I, I really enjoy doing that. There's an art to that um, where I started. It, it certainly takes a, a certain eye and and uh, and the video to to put a piece together, and and then you just have the natural sound of of a story. But like I said again before, Matt, I mean, I'm just dispensing the story through the through the voice of of who I'm talking to. So a lot of the people, again, whether it's a coach or, or the players and stuff, they're they're the ones actually you know doing the event. So to to hear from them and and to get the excitement from their voices on winning a championship like yesterday with Coach Roth. I mean, I, I talked to one of his assistants, Coach Mills, and he's been with Jimmy since the beginning, you know, a, a defensive coordinator, a guy that's not even on the sidelines. I mean, he's up in the, he's up in the, the, the box calling the game. So you don't even see him to, to hear him, you know, echo, you know, the greatness of Coach Roth and being around him on, on a day-to-day basis. And then just how thrilled the kids were to, to win that for, for Coach Roth and, you know, going back to Coach Henses and, and some of his former players and how they respected him and even Coach Curry it's thrilling to be able to do all that stuff. And then obviously when you anchor, you're, you're kind of putting your own show together and to write those intros and to, and to be on camera is, is a certain different responsibility. Um, there's a lot of pressure in that, um, but there, there's fun doing that, that too. So to be able to do all three phases, um, you know, it gives me a lot of joy. As you mentioned on Saturday, you were at uh, Hershey high school for the yes. uh, state championship and this is one of the things that's unique to television is the, the big coverage area that you cover. I mean, what is it, like 20 counties WNEP covers? Yeah, I believe we have 19 counties, yes. 19 counties. And, you know, sometimes just covering Luzerne County and the Wyoming Valley, it feels like it's overwhelming sometimes. So just yeah. how do you kind of manage having to oversee all these different coverage areas? Well, we cover District 2, 4, and District 11, and then part of District 6, which um, contains the, the Central Mountain High School. That's where uh, Robbie Gold went to school. He was a, uh, a really good basketball player, and then he was a kicker at Penn State, and he's still kicking in the NFL today. 
and he was part of the big 33 team. I remember going down to Hershey to talk to Robbie and all the kids were out there and he was working on, on kicking. So he kicked a, a 35 yard field goal with his right foot. And then he put the ball down and he kicked a 35 yard field goal with his left foot <laughs> right through the uprights. So yeah, covering the whole area to, to get out, you know, to get out to, to a place like central mountain um, where their, their little league team, you know, went to the little league world series was kind of neat. And then you branch out and, and you have, you know, Penn state, which um, we cover them. So what I normally try to do is, is I'll try to circle our area. I'll, I'll try to start, in the extreme part area, and then I'll kind of work my way back. So if I can do a story, say, in, in Troy or Tawanda and do a story in the Poconos or maybe a story down in Pottsboro, Blue Mountain, and then a story out west, then I feel like I'm getting our whole coverage area, and then I'll kind of work work my way back to the uh, to the metro area, to the Wilkes-Barre or Scranton area. But I try not to stay in one place too much. I try to get to District 11 maybe a few times a week, compared to staying in district two, you know, all week long. It just kind of depends on, on where the story goes. And later today I'll, I'll start mapping out um, what I'm going to do in the middle of this pandemic for this week. I, I know for you and I, it's been, been pretty tough dealing with uh, all the cancellations and postponements and really not knowing what sports are going on and, and what's happening. It has been, but I got to imagine that's covering some of these state championships in a way they kind of help you realize in a way why we're doing this you know seeing these great accomplishments it's, even though it's been a very challenging season it is kind of like the the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow here or, or actually i should say this isn't a rainbow at all this is more like <laughs> you know the light at the end of the tunnel yeah well i i think safety first um you know there's been some outbreaks at the schools but i think for the most part all the superintendents and the school boards and the principals, and then you get into the, the, the athletic directors. I think they've all tried to do this as safely as possible. You know, Abington obviously shut down Carbondale. But then, I mean, Abington, I was up there, and, and the girls' golf team was out. Um, they won a district title in cross country. Uh, the girls, a dominant team. But, uh, you know, football didn't get to play. So, you know, you look at the science. So, I mean, school like Southern Columbia – and Jersey Shore, you know, they really didn't have any issues. There were some other schools out there that, that had some COVID, COVID positive tests and were able to, you know, shut down immediately and kind of control it. Um, we'll see where it goes here for the, the winter sports. I think if they can do it safely, they'll, they'll at least try. I know the Lackawanna League um, pushed the start date back till um, this Friday, the, the 4th, for tryouts. So then they have to get their, um, you know, to get their practices, get the, get the kids their, their legs underneath them. The last thing you want are to rush these kids into playing and have injuries. All right. And earlier you mentioned all the different names of people who have helped you along in your career. Certainly you've seen a lot of people come in and out of WNEP. It's a, really been a great launching pad for a lot of careers. And of course you have other people who you know have stayed here and uh, made this area your home. So, you know, as you reflect on that, you know, just what has been the key to your longevity and, you know, how happy are you, uh, assuming you're happy, that you ended up making this uh, your home? Well, you know, coming over here, my, my aunt did some some real estate. So she basically wanted to know if I wanted to live in the, the Wilkes-Barre or Scranton area. So we, we looked for a while and I, I settled down in Exeter, which, uh, which was my home for a while. And first guy I met was Chief McNeil, former police chief. And he was up coaching with Teddy Jackson 
Dallas football and, and I believe he's still the Wyoming area softball coach. So him and I always have a good laugh. Um, and I needed to turn my phone on. So went into the borough building and who would I run into? Chief McNeil. <laughs> and uh, I think I was, I was sitting in his office for a while. I mean, Matt, there were no cell phones. I needed to turn my phone on. That, that probably took a half a day. So, uh, you know, credit to him for, for taking me under his wings. But, you know, surviving all these years, you know, you just you, you got to do the work, um, you know, and, and it's work and you sacrifice a lot. It's, it's been a great ride. There's so many people to give credit to from, you know, the engineers at the station who fix the equipment and help you out technically. Um, many news directors, our current news director, Carl Abraham, for allowing me to do what I'm doing. Um, we have great people on the assignment desk, wonderful photographers in the news department who help me out. Um, you have producers who are always giving you story ideas. Our assistant news director, Jen Wade's from Lee Heighton. I mean, she loves field hockey, loves the sports, Eagles fan. So, I mean, that's always going. I, I just think it's a collective effort um, and why I've stayed. You know, you, you eventually kind of settled down. Um, I was able to meet my my wife in the city here, and she's a – She's a West Sider. She's from West Granton. So uh, Amy Sheridan, uh, Sheridan's her maiden name, Amy Lloyd. And, and we have a son, Zach, who's a sophomore in, in high school. So, you know, you just kind of settle down and we've had a few, few pets, few animals that uh, we lost one and gave up another one. So, you know, we're, we're raising Zach and I'm happy where I'm at. Um, I, I've had a few chances to leave, try to get down to Philly and, and that didn't really work out. That was, um, I think I was at, in the news department for a little bit. So to move up to a big market like that, I, from their perspective, I just wasn't ready. And maybe I didn't understand that at the time. I, I kind of understand that now. And, and then um, I tried to get into the station in Jacksonville before they got the NFL franchise. But um, they didn't want to fly me down there. It was, um, it was more of uh, take the job on the phone. So a lot of crazy things go through your head. <laughs> so I decided to stay. And, you know, there's a lot of wonderful people here in the city. It, it's such a uh, – there's a lot of culture going on. I mean – President-elect Biden, you know, being from the city and, you know, all the parades here and, and, and the different stuff that goes on. I mean, I, I really, compared to growing up in Williamsport and being over here in Scranton, it's a total uh, contrast in, in lifestyles. But uh, a lot of wonderful people, um, not only inside the station, but, um, but outside have helped me uh, become the person I am today. Is there anything left in your career that, you know, is like at the top of the list, I, I want to do this? I haven't been to a Super Bowl, been to the Rose Bowl, been to the Outback Bowl, Fiesta Bowl, Florida Citrus Bowl, I was, I was too. So I've been able to do some traveling, was able to get out to, uh, to Notre Dame when, when Ron Paulus was there and we saw Wrigley Field. So that kind of checks off my, uh, my bucket list and stuff like that. I, I guess maybe, maybe a Super Bowl w would be something I'd, I'd want to cover. I haven't done that. But uh, I've met a lot of wonderful people over the years. Got a chance to meet uh, Derek Jeter. Uh, got a chance to talk to Johnny Unitas inside the arena when he was part owner of the uh, Wilkes-Barre Scranton Pioneers AF2 team. He was walking in the hallway and he stopped and he was asking me who I worked for and what, what was going on because he had an interest in the coverage of the team. And uh, when he introduced himself, because I didn't recognize him at first, I, I, I don't think I said anything for five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and he was talking and I was like wow I just met Johnny Unitas like it's just crazy stuff like that goes on obviously the rail riders here and the former 
um, Red Barons, and then when they were the Yankees, and then covering the Penguins. Um, yeah, we have, we have a lot of really cool sports here. There's, there's a lot of famous people and a lot of uh, really great sports stuff going on. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to the spring here coming up to uh, get back to having some baseball in town. And I know hockey, I think, is going to start February 1st. So if they can safely get the AHL season off and running, that'll be a good thing. Between those couple of professional franchises that you just mentioned, was there a favorite era to cover that team, whether it was the Penguins, Red Barons, Yankees, Rail Riders, or even the Pioneers? Um, I think I'm, I'm, I think Andy Kyoto was the goalie, but it, it was the time they were up in St. John, which is New Brunswick. And we were able to get on the team flight up there twice to go up there and, uh, and cover that. And that, that was, that was pretty cool to uh, be up there for that, for that playoff series, which uh, I think we lost that playoff series. I think it was game six when we, uh, when we went back up, that was, uh, that was pretty cool to be up in Canada, to be up there. Great food, uh, great atmosphere up there. They really love their hockey. And then I think for the, for the AAA baseball, Probably when Utley came through, and now for me, when I get people, the, the fans will arrive for a, a seven o'clock game. I think the gates open at six. I, I'm there normally if they're taking batting practice or infield, so I, I I get to see them warming up. I remember they had him over at third base, Utley, and there were probably five or six Philadelphia Philly coaches around Utley, and he could not throw the ball over to first base. <laughs> so they talked for a while, and they put him over at second. And he was, he was kind of like Chuck Knobloch. He still had trouble throwing the ball to first. But when they put him in the batting cage, and because he, he was a first-round pick for UCLA, I had never seen anybody hit like Utley. Uh, amazing. So if they could find a position for him, you know, he was destined for, for the Hall of Fame, which, I mean, him and, and Rollins and Howard and all those guys, you know, coming through and going up and helping Philly win a, win a World Series title. But that's how it all started for Utley. Uh, you know, him, Doster, um, Shane Victorino, who Ruben Amaro got from the Dodgers system, was one of the, the greatest players that, that I saw play down there. Uh, Brett Gardner, immediately you could tell when the guy's in the cage and, and just the way they um, hold themselves. You, you can tell these guys. Marlon Anderson, I think, is, is up there for all-time hits with the um, scranton Wilkesbury franchise. So, you know, guys like that, you know, getting their, getting their start here and, and then moving on. They were good players here and, and great players in Major League Baseball. This is kind of an inside baseball thing. And when I say inside baseball, I mean like inside the industry, the media industry is, you know, do you worry about the access that we reporters might have uh, when everything kind of returns to quote unquote normal in the age of COVID-19? Um, I do. I, I think if you could set something up, maybe, I don't know how they would do it with the hockey because most of the time they're in the locker room. Um, you could maybe, well, you'd still be inside. The baseball, if you could do it out on the concourse level at a certain time and have the stuff on mic stands, um, you still might um, be able to get the guys. Now, I don't know what they're going to do after a game when it's dark and stuff like that. But, yeah, they're probably going to limit access in the locker rooms, I would think. That's going to be tough. Probably be more Zoom stuff. You've, you've gotten a lot of use out of those mic stands. Uh, every every yeah. <laughs> episode of Newswatch 16, you're seeing them. As I said to our chief photographer, Paul Kilbasa, there isn't really much more that I can carry. I uh, have my camera, tripod, now I have a mic stand. And uh, he jokingly uh, said to me that there were a few more things that he could give me to carry around from the car <laughs> to 
to where I'm doing the story. So hopefully the vaccine can come and we can get it to the frontline workers first and the people most affected, obviously people in nursing homes and the elderly and um, any pre-existing conditions. But if we can get the vaccine to those people first and then clear our way into 2021, hopefully by hopefully by the summertime, I guess they're saying the, the next doses and stuff to get everybody covered um, April, May, but the, the distribution process is it's going to be uh, extensive. Okay. And I think I know the answer to this, but are you a sports fan yourself other than covering the sports? Well, growing up was always basketball playing for, for Ron Ensinger, CI and, and CI's coach Ensinger. He's the, he's the all-time wins leader in the state. You got Jim Roth from, from district four all-time wins leader now. So playing for, for coach Ensinger, it was, it was always basketball, Matt. It was, um, we'd go to slippery rock for camp. I used to go to Howie Landis camp in the Poconos. So, I mean, I, I did, I, first and foremost, I love basketball. And once I came over to Channel 16 and, and you, you're around all, all the baseball guys and, and uh, the NASCAR races, uh, you kind of fall in love with that. Um, getting a chance to cover, you know, wrestling and field hockey and soccer. And, but I, I would say, you know, basketball, but, um, you know, being a Steelers fan. And then, and then I think right now I'm more Eagles from all the chances we got a chance to go down to Lehigh. At, at camp down there. But, uh, you know, growing up, my dad had season tickets to Penn State, and then my uncle was Notre Dame. So <laughs> occasionally we would get a chance to, to go out and, and see a few Notre Dame games. So uh, our family is split, uh, which I think most of Northeastern Central Pennsylvania is split either between Penn State or, uh, or, or Notre Dame uh, from there. But, uh, yeah, I would say it's Sixers, uh, Penguins, Pittsburgh Penguins, um, Eagles and Penn State. Did I miss any teams there? I think that's good. <laughs> and and then being such a big basketball fan, that had to really be a thrill to go back to one of the things you mentioned earlier, following Bob Sura around in Cleveland. And if I have my timeline right, that would have been kind of right at the start of your sports career at WNEP. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, I'd love if you could somehow dig that thing up, that would be a really cool segment to re-air on WNEP. Yeah, that was, uh, that was an interesting few days, uh, you know, going out there. Um, I think Bobby's roommate, cause they, I don't know if Bobby had a house or not, but most of the players lived in um, like a condo unit close to the, it was, I guess it was called the gun, but the Zadruna Silkowskis. Do you remember Zadruna? Yeah. Seven footer. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, he loved Bobby because I, I don't think he spoke English. So Bobby would help him go out to restaurants or to go get food because Zadrunas was, you know, he would, would want to isolate himself and, and stay in. So Bobby kind of took him under the wing. And, and then the other thing I remember, we were outside the practice. Now the doorway going in, the doorway wasn't built for seven footers. It was built for guys like you and me, right? So you see all these guys coming out and um, Mike Fratelli was the coach. So Danny Ferry's coming out. Well, he's seven foot. They're all hunched over. They're all bent over. So they don't hit their head on the, uh, the doorway coming out. And then Zadrunas came out. So now Jimmy and I are standing there, and we have like 12 NBA players and the coach around. <laughs> and they're just, I mean, if there's one thing I could tell fans, if they ever really want to do, buy tickets to an NBA game courtside and sit there the whole game. Because there is more talking – and all you hear are the sneakers squeaking on the floor. And they're just, they're big 
big guys and you don't realize <laughs> the physicality until you're there on, on the court. It, it's crazy. It's, I mean, it's kind of like an NFL game. The field's a little bit bigger. Obviously baseball field is bigger. And I mean, hockey, you just sit near the glass, but to be that close to a, an NBA, you know, superstar that that's, you know, like a LeBron James or something like that, you know, get your kids tickets and go down and, and watch some of the Sixers games or go to New Jersey or it, it it's crazy just how big they are and how talented they are. And one of the great things about covering high school and local college sports is that the access really never is a problem. You get courtside seats basically wherever yeah. you want them. <laughs> um, but at the pro level, sometimes, or the big college level, sometimes it is comical where they put the media sometimes. Do you have any stories of a really bad experience of having to cover from you know, nosebleeds or, or somewhere? Oh, yeah. I think we were up at the War Memorial up in Syracuse. It was a playoff game for the Penguins. And uh, there's a catwalk up top, which is um, – it's center ice, but the vertical drop from where we were. Yeah, the players look like ants. Um, I do remember that. I'm, I'm like, so we have to go up here. And that was, that was really the only uh, spot that they have. I mean, a lot of these old arenas, when they build them, they're not building them for, for the radio or TV people. They're building them for the for the fans and the seating, and then you obviously have the um, the concession stands where uh, you get something to eat. So yeah, trying to find a place to shoot center ice, even um, the the arena, the Mohegan Sun Arena, um, when that was first built uh, for Tom Grace and stuff, it, it it wasn't it wasn't there was nothing put in for for radio or TV. They've had a kind of redesign, and we've been moved down there. A, a few times but that's where you want to shoot hockey you want to you want to be up above not up on the catwalk at the uh the war memorial in Syracuse <laughs> so that was uh they, that was a place where we got kind of got shuffled to but yeah I mean yeah you have access but if security comes you know you're you're not going to cause a, a disruption and you're going to listen so mm -hmm. wherever they need you to go you do kind of go but uh, I do remember being I was saying before with Jerry and uh, it was a post bait post-game press conference and you know kind of like when when Joe Paterno talks you kind of sit up and and you listen when when coach Beheim came in and there were a few questions that he didn't like from some of the reporters <laughs> and I was only about 10 feet from him he can be an intense guy he answered very intensely to uh some of the, the questions he did not like so that was uh <laughs> I would that was a little nerve-wracking I bet um all right Steve well before we get going here uh, just wanted to allow you just a minute to kind of reflect on some of the things we talked about here. You know, as you look back on your career and your life in sports, just what are some of your main reflections? Well, I, I guess uh, the big thing for me is thanking so many people for having the opportunity uh, to be able to, uh, you know, do what, I, what I've done and the support of my family, obviously the support of, you know, my parents and getting through school and my chairperson, Helen uh, Bieber and formerly Helen Clinton down at, at Kutztown without her and some of the professors down there, they, they wouldn't have given me, you know, the background I needed. And then obviously everybody at the station has been, everyone has been wonderful. I mean, everybody is there to help each other, whether you're, you're sticking around or, or moving on. And, and so many people have left to, to move on, but I've always enjoyed what I've done. Hopefully I got a few more years left in me as long, as long as they'll have me to, uh, you know, continue doing some of the sports stories. So, uh, you know, it's always good to see you guys out there. I know uh, you guys are out there in the weather and um, covering the stories and 
I don't think people realize the, not necessarily the difficulty in it, but, you know, you're trying to get names and numbers and stats and, and, and scores and access to the coaches. And it's, um, you know, it's a labor of love. I mean, we all enjoy doing it. And, I, I, and, and it's nice when you, you get some feedback back for, for some of the coverage that we've all been able to do. So hopefully we can all stay safe here in the, uh, I think we got a few more months of this pandemic to uh, get through here. And I don't know about wrestling. We'll see. It's swimming and diving. It's going to be tough. Basketball. I, I know all well, the coaches and want to get diving. To the thing that I'm hearing is that they're going to be doing it virtually. So you'd have yeah. uh, Wyoming area swim at its pool, Pittston swim at its pool, and just that might work. The numbers. Yeah. Yeah. That, but that wrestling, you're right. That that's tough. Follow the science, I guess, and yeah, hope for the best. Matt, appreciate the time. Always good seeing you. Hope, hopefully, you had a great Thanksgiving and uh, enjoy the holidays coming up. Not sure what you're. You're covering this winter. What what beat do they have you on there at The Voice? It'll be uh, girls basketball. Um, Very good. And we'll see. I mean, <laughs> we'll see. The games be starting in a couple weeks if it all goes smoothly. Appreciate your time and good luck with your podcast. All right, Steve. Well, thank you very much for coming on here. Looking forward to seeing you out in the field again soon. All right, everyone. That's the interview. Again, thank you very much to Steve Lloyd. Really appreciate him taking some time to appear on NEPA Sports Stories. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to the podcast feed wherever you're listening. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please take a few seconds out of your day to leave a rating, preferably five stars, if you think I earned it, as that is the best way to let me know that you enjoyed this. Thanks again, everyone, for listening, and we will see you next time on NEPA Sports Stories.